listening to the London Horror Movie Club, a monthly film club where I share London's unique and fascinating horror films. It's April, and that means we are moving into the 1970s. This month, we're watching the 1978 film The Medusa Touch. You can find this on Amazon Prime Video and YouTube. I'm sure you can also get DVDs of it, depending on your preference. In the Medusa Touch, the murder of writer John Morlar delves into the fantastic when an inspector on the case discovers that Morlar is in therapy because he believed he was psychic and responsible for a string of disasters throughout his life. Now, this is a bit of an unusual film. I'd be surprised if you knew it, but it does have a bit of a cult following because of the influence it had on music. There's um, a sample taken from the film. It's, it's Richard Burton, who plays John Morlar. His line, I will bring the whole edifice down on their unworthy heads. This line has been sampled for a Manic Street Preacher's song called Ready for Drowning. So that might be familiar to you. And also footage from the film appears in the music video for The Madness Was Mine, which is by Sailing Blind. So there's a sort of weird musical attachment to the film, which is really interesting because when you watch the film, you'll notice music isn't a huge part of the soundtrack. That's not to say there aren't you know, moments of music, but the soundtrack is really all about more natural sounds. Silence is actually a big one, traffic, the beeping of medical machines, the very sort of real sounds of life end up creating a big part of the soundtrack, the mood, and a lot of the tension in the film. So I, I can't explain quite why it had the impact it did on music, except to say that it was very much a socially conscious film. It's the kind of film that was making a clear political point throughout, and as you discover more about Morlar, who may or may not be psychic, you learn that one of the things he was very passionate about in in a sort of fiery passion that drove him mad is the hypocrisy in government in in britain um and I, I'll, I'll get a bit more into that but that maybe is why it had this music influence and maybe why you've heard of or at least part of this unusual film uh, another great reason to see this film though is its cast as I said, it stars Richard Burton as John Morlar, as the, the potentially psychic writer. This film he made after he did some of his, his hits with Elizabeth Taylor, and it's actually kind of interesting because in the 70s, Elizabeth Taylor also appears in a horror film, Secret Ceremony. So both of them apparently in the, the end of their marriage went off to do horror films. So I'd love to think it's related. I, it does say a lot about about life, but it's probably more less to do with their marriage and more to do with the fact that, that their careers were struggling and, and very often you'll either get struggling or emerging actors moving in and out of horror because it's a, a genre that allows you to, to, to draw more on people than necessarily on being famous and, and I think a good example of that is this film. Um, Burton's wonderful in it. It also has Lee Remick, who just got out of her starring role in The Omen as Damien's mother. That, that film came out two years before The Medusa Touch in 1976. And Lee Remick was sort of, she wasn't known for horror, but she was certainly really well known for The Omen and, and was in a, a scattering of horror films. So she was somebody who was familiar with horror, but not just any kind of horror, horror that was taken really seriously. The Omen from the very beginning, everyone talks about how it was taken very seriously, how the actors and the directors took it as a, you know, yes, it's a horror film, but we're going to treat it like a normal film. 
I take issue with Gregory Peck saying stuff like that because I understand that in the 70s there were quite a lot of films, and, and in the 60s as well, a lot of sort of B-horror films that weren't necessarily what everybody thought of as high movies. But horror films since the very beginning have been really great films as well, films that are Academy Award you know, worthy, films that are amazingly acted and beautifully, um, beautifully made. But there is this sort of uh, realism to The Omen and a realism to The Medusa Touch, which is what I think they're talking about, that's maybe not as popular in the horror genre at that time, which was really more heavily dominated in Britain by Hammer, which meant gothic horror and sort of the fantastic and the occult. There's aspects of that too, The Omen and The Medusa Touch, but they're really heavily grounded in reality. Um, sorry, I, I was talking about the cast, and I should return to that. The other amazing people in this cast, you have Harry Andrews, who everybody will recognize. You might not know the name, but you'll recognize his face. He's got this very characterful, grovelly face, even when he's he's younger in this film, and he's one of those character actors that's in everything. And you'll, you'll see him, and you'll go, oh, yes, I know exactly who he is, even if you can't remember the film you've seen him in. Uh, Michael Burns in it as well, uh, much younger than perhaps his most famous role in Indiana Jones, but he he's great in it. And then, of course, there's a, a cameo by Jeremy Brett, for any of you Sherlock Holmes fans. I, I grew up with the 1980s Jeremy Brett, Sherlock Holmes, and he's... He's very different in this and wonderful. He plays this sort of devil-may-care, sexy, sleek lover of uh, Morlar's ex-wife. And he's... No, wife at the time, sorry. Um, and he's dressed in this fabulously 70s suit. And he just... He looks so... I guess in a little bit of a way like Sherlock Holmes. He looks so cocky and so oozing sexuality. And it's just... It's a great cameo. If you if you like Jeremy Brett, it's worth it for just that. But the film itself, beautifully cast, really great and interesting actors. And it's a lot of fun to watch because of the topic, but it's it's great because you have these great actors who are really pulling their weight in the roles and you get, you get funny moments, you get sad moments, you get sweet moments, and of course you get really horrifying moments. And that brings us to the actual film. I think the best way weirdly to describe the experience of watching this film is a line by Inspector Burnell who's investigating the murder. Um, when he's talking to the commissioner about halfway through the film. Maybe a little more. And the, the commissioner's like, well, what are we supposed to do if this, the, the issue throughout is whether or not he's actually psychic? And well, if he is, what are we supposed to do? And Inspector Burnell says, watch, wait, hope we are insane. And that is such a great summary of the experience of watching this film is you, you're watching it happen you're waiting to find out you, you, you there are these connections that are maybe totally possible it's possible that he's psychic it's possible this is this has really happened and and in the very start of the film you you you're not as sure and as you go on it becomes more challenging the characters aren't as sure as you go throughout the film you get these little pieces that seem totally possible but at the same time completely explainable and so you're you're watching you're waiting you want to find out and you're also hoping you're insane in that great way that this is true of every horror film you are watching this horror film you are waiting for the horrible things to happen and there's a part of you that believes in whatever this horrific thing is believes in not only in in this case in psychic powers but these psychic powers are used for horrific things terrible horrifying i keep using horrifying but it is a horror film uh, gruesome things happening because somebody is choosing to make them happen somebody wants to do them 
and that's true of almost every horror film as you are watching watching something you you're willing to believe in but at the same time you need to hope that you're insane for believing it because if we did live in a horror movie 100% of the time, and don't get me wrong, life can be like a horror movie in moments, but if we did live in a world where everybody was capable of doing horrible things and getting away with it, or, or, or didn't care about getting away with it, or you did have the you know, mass murders or whatever constantly, if it, was, if it was the fabric of life, if it was real, how do you go outside every day? How do you live? How do you, how do you interact with other people? We need to trust other people to function in society. We need to trust that the grocery store is poisoning us en masse. We need to trust that the Uber driver isn't a serial killer. Whatever it is, we, there's no one in the world that doesn't have to trust other people. And horror films break that trust. And, and there are things that we believe in that horror films sort of bring us to the edge of, you know, we were talking about the omen earlier, faith here, psychic ability, the sort of things we're willing to believe in takes us to the edge and we need to hope that we're insane because we want to believe it. And that I think is really powerful in horror films. And that's, I think what is, makes this movie. I think that's what this movie is about, what you're willing to believe. And then knowing if you did believe it, your world would shatter, so you hope you're wrong. And that is the experience of watching this film. You you aren't sure what to believe until the very end. And even then, there's, you know, as, as all great horror movies, and I won't say anything specific, but there's this moment where you, you think you know and that something has happened, you think you know, and then something else happens and it challenges you in a way you didn't, you weren't being built up to be challenged at the start of the film and then it happens again. Um, anyway, uh, trying not to, trying to be vague and not ruin that. I'm sure I haven't explained it, but when you see the movie, maybe re-listen to this and you'll get where I'm coming from. Um, so where's the horror in this movie? It sounds like a thriller. Some people, some people call it a thriller because there isn't a lot of great gruesomeness to it, but there is absolutely some horror. And I think it makes sure it starts off on that foot rather than the sort of mystery foot, because in the opening scene, the film begins with the death of John Morlar. He is literally beaten to death with several blows. It's, it is not an easy, quick, simple death. And that sets up the horror of the film is it's not only do you have these horrible things happening in in retrospect when you're learning about Morlar and his therapy and his past, but you start off with brutality, really over-aggressive brutality. No, this isn't a massively bloody horror film, but that doesn't keep it from being horrifying. It doesn't keep it from being terrifying. And a really great example of that is that he's cleared, he, everyone thinks he's dead. The police come to investigate his murder and the guy starts breathing. It's, you, you can't trust that he's dead. You can't believe that he's dead. You can't believe anything for the rest of the film. And it sets you up to be on edge and it sets you up to be afraid and on edge the whole time, despite it being really grounded in reality. And a good example of it being grounded in reality is the, the role London plays in this film. You know, you, you see, you see lots of really familiar and beautiful spaces. London, Zonfeld, who is the therapist, her office is on Wimpole Street. It's near Harley Street. It's where therapists, very posh therapists, were certainly in the 70s and still to a degree are. It's where you would go for health and mental health things. 
so it's familiar. You see the the royal courts of justice, and there's a story, um, the a brief storyline into Marlar's past about him having been a barrister, and you see him him in court, um, and he's 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 having a very impassioned speech. So it seems in some ways sort of a super extra. Um, well, it's not surreal. It's just it's it's what you wish lawyers were actually like. So it's not one hundred percent realistic, but it's very realistic in the setting. It's a real trial. You see the actual courts of justice. You see everybody doing their thing, and so so you get these very grounded moments, very real moments, very recognizable. And then there's also these sort of weird things that are that are British throughout the film. There's this this idea about being British, and a, and a really important part of this is the outsiderness of the main investigator Brunel he's French he's over for some sort of European exchange with the police and as a result he makes comments throughout the film about being British one of the one of his first lines as he sees the dead writer and he's like is this how you treat writers in Britain and it, it's it's little comments like that throughout he talks about how British people don't know their neighbors British people spend too much time on TV and he's commenting on British society in the 1970s and he's keeping going a separate commentary that Morlar makes throughout it about Britishness, about the British government in particular. This is the 1970s. One of the sort of sneaky subplots of this is nuclear disaster and, and the protests that were going on late 70s, early into the 80s of nuclear facilities and the safety around that. And, and that's, that hypocrisy, that willingness to sort of put people in danger for, for money, for power... Morlar addresses throughout and Brunel then echoes later after his death and Morlar has I know I mentioned earlier this amazing scene as a lawyer where he literally is defending someone who was protesting a war and talks to the people and the judge as though they are the establishment of Britain says you murder people you send people off to war knowing they're going to die you kill thousands and the war isn't even won and yet you want to put behind bars the man who says this is wrong what does that say about you it is a very 70s moment i i am as you can tell from my accent i'm american it feels very uh echoing of protests that were happening in vietnam at the time in america i have no doubt protests about vietnam in in britain as well it's calling to task Britain, and it does so in this very London setting, and it it's so real and so honest in those moments, and that weirdly makes it harder to stomach the horror of it, because it didn't have to be a horror film, and they made it a horror film so they could push these things to the edge and push them further. Um, and it's really a wonderful reason to watch this film. It's the way London ties in with the message, and the way that the horror pushes something that is that is already perhaps popular already perhaps something that we we think of now as one of the sort of greater comments of of the past post-war era really is is what does war mean what what the government's powers and rights have to do with people's lives and in that way if you took away all the horror elements it would be a sort of okay political movie but horror pushes the edges of that so that you're really making social commentary on a level that is life and death on a a more engaging and interesting level and a level that pushes what you think and expect of people and what you think and expect is right or wrong 
And that is always great in morality. You know, if there is right and wrong is written by whoever says what's right and wrong, not actually some sort of universal truth. Anyway, I've gone very philosophical towards the end of this, but I, I hope this excites you into watching this film. Um, I do want to leave with a tiny London note because I am the London horror girl. In the film, a central feature of this film is something called Minster Cathedral. It doesn't exist. It's not a London building. I think they're trying to base it off Westminster without actually having to film in Westminster. Um, but Minster Cathedral, you will see throughout the film, it is supposedly smack dab in the center of London, and it is the cathedral in Bristol. If you've been to Bristol, you know this cathedral. It is, it is the big cathedral in Bristol. It's very recognizable as that. It is not a London location, no matter how badly the film tries to make it that. Um, and I, I think there's nothing wrong with that. It's perfectly fine, but I, I feel like it's useful to say because a different horrific location set, set for terror is a very real location. It's, it's Center Point Tower, and it is it was absolutely filmed where they were reconstructing the building. It looks like it's a disaster site because it in, in the film it is the site of a plane crash. I, I Yeah, I should go into that briefly, shouldn't I? Um, there is a plane crash into a tower, which in the 1970s didn't have the power it does today. If you're watching it now, you think of 9-11. I had family who were in New York at 9-11, and it obviously brings up very personal and upsetting memories. But it shows the real power of that. I mean, in the 1970s, it was something that was so shocking and horrible, and it hadn't actually even happened yet. Now it's something that has happened, and it still seems unfathomable. Anyway, um, returning to the location thing, the center point disaster plane crash in the film is a real location. And the other big location that's important in the film is actually not a London location. And I think there's something interesting about that. It, it's trying to make it London, but it's not. And why, why not? Why not be Bristol Cathedral? Nothing massively would have changed in the plot if they didn't. So, so watch it, have a think, have a think about why that location has changed and why it's different. And Otherwise, just have a think about the film. It says a lot and it does a lot. Right, I have talked too much. It's now far too long. Go watch the film. Enjoy. Have fun. Be afraid. Hope we're insane. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Enjoy the film. This is Lauren Barnett and you are part of the London Horror Movie Club. <laughs>